I believe that if you're buying your first property, buy your first property and follow the whole thing through until you exit it. And that exit could be it turns into a rental property and you have long-term debt on it, or you sell it or you wholesale it, whatever the case is, exit that first one before you start buying the next one. Best ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are, because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips, how to optimize the profits on those flips, and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles, as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out, fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. You're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, I hope you're having a wonderful best ever weekend. Today is Saturday and because it's Saturday, we're doing a special segment on today's show that is Situation Saturday where our best ever guest talks about a sticky situation that he has been in and how he overcame it so that when you come across the situation or something similar to the situation, you know how the heck to approach it and uh, perhaps maybe even avoid it altogether. With us today, we have a previous best ever guest. How you doing, Jason Balin? Hey, Joe. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, and thanks so much for being on the show again. If you want to hear Jason's best ever advice, then you can go to episode 645, Why the Four C's Are Critical to Get Funded. Jason is a principal partner and senior underwriter at Hard Money Bankers. He's financed over 1,000 real estate investment deals. Prior to hard money lending, Jason founded several other real estate investment firms. His book, The Whiteboard, is a bestseller on Amazon. Go check it out. He's based in Columbia, Maryland, and his website's hardmoneybankers.com. With that being said, Jason, go ahead and kick it off, my friend. What is the sticky situation that you were in? Sure. No problem. So a sticky situation that we found ourselves in was when we, our wheelhouse is obviously lending and private lending, and we've done that for a long time. And we progressed into buying a lot of properties over a small period of time. We were looking to deploy more capital. We decided instead of just lending, let's also purchase the properties. And we'd obviously purchased properties in the past, 
on a smaller scale, but we decided to ramp it up. So our sticky situation that we got ourselves into was a few different things. Most importantly, partnering with the wrong operator and, and partnering with the wrong person when we decided to buy in bulk. And the other one was more worried about buying, 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 and we were less worried at the time of putting systems in place and processes in place. And all of a sudden, we had a lot of inventory. And as things start going sideways, you know, things go sideways a, a lot rougher when you have a, <laughs> a, a lot on your plate and not just one deal. Mm. Holy cow. So what were all the pain points in each of those areas? Sure. Like we talked about at the previous podcast we did together was making sure, you know, a big advocate of partnering with the right person and making sure your goals are aligned. It hurt us dramatically when we realized that our partner's intentions and our partner's goals were not aligned to ours. And part of what we talked about in the past that I'll rehash on was related to when we invest in real estate or invest in any type of business, money is typically the outcome of it. And yes, I understand improving neighborhoods and building a nice product and giving the retail homeowner a nice place, your tenants a nice place to live. I get all that. But there's only so much of that you can do if you're not profitable. <laughs> you know, that, right. that, that, that disappears. And what we've learned with this operator and maybe some other partners in the past is there's the notion of like hard work and like what hard work means. And, you know, that can mean, well, you know, I put in a lot of time, I'm killing myself. I'm, you know, I'm busting my butt every day. I'm doing a good job at, at work. I'm doing all these properties. I'm doing this. But at the same time, that's not necessarily hard work. Physically it's hard work, but it, it wasn't efficient and we weren't profitable in some of these deals. So we kind of learned a lot from making sure our partnerships moving forward or our goals are aligned correctly. And it's more on the dollars and cents than on the concept of how hard you're working or how many hours you're actually putting into work every single day. Going back to this specific deal, can you share with us kind of the numbers on it? Well, there was a lot of deals. So we purchased 30 properties, maybe at a time that we had on our books. And one thing that we had too many at once without churning through. So for instance, like we'd have 10 on our books without one of them paying off. So we were constantly putting cash out, not bringing cash back in, which is important. And I see that with a lot of local real estate investors. They're buying a lot all at once. And <laughs> especially the ones that don't uh, you know, 100% know what they're doing yet. I'm like, you need to like see this process forward and get this real money back before you kind of can rinse and repeat. So, and obviously there's a, the bright side of the story, but when it was all said and done over a span of a few deals, pretty much all the flips we ended up doing ended up breaking even, but we were able to acquire a good amount of rental properties. How were you able to acquire them? Is that because you called the loan? Well, there was two sides of this. We bought to flip and then we bought to rent. And then halfway through some of them, we just said, you know what, this isn't working great as a flip, but we can still cash flow pretty well in this property. Let's convert it to a rental. And on the other side, we bought it as a rental and it didn't work great. And then we ended up flipping it to make a profit that way. There was just a lot of inconsistencies and we didn't really have too much of a game plan in mind. We didn't have many systems. We had the wrong person kind of running the show. And if we didn't make changes and spend a lot of time, which we did 
on this. Our original goal was not to spend a lot of time on this because, you know, the lending side is what we spent a lot of time on. But this turned into a full-time job for quite a bit of time just to kind of clean up this mess and make it more profitable again. So how do you mitigate these issues moving forward? What do you do? We called this whole process. We learned so much from it. We had like the 1.0 which was, you know, you buy a lot. We, had, we bought a lot. We didn't have any systems in place and we had the wrong partner. Then we had 2.0, which we, we put software in place. We hired a full-time employee to help manage this. And then we ended up having a 3.0 version of this business model, which we put processes in place. And we decided maybe it doesn't make sense to buy so much at any given time. Let's really execute perfectly on just a few projects at a time and make a ton of money on each particular project instead of making small margins on a lot of projects. Mm. While you're making more money on fewer projects on the 3.0, are you then able to scale to 4.0 and take that approach and go do more projects with more money? Basically going back to where you were, but now you got the the people and the system in place? I, I think so. I think that's a good question. And we're not there yet right now. We're actually in 3.0 of this, (laughs) of this business, but it kind of opened our eyes of determining what we want to do every day and what we want to stick with. And our original take was we can just put an operator in place. We could throw money at it. We could acquire deals and we'll all make good money. It'll be kind of a side gig for us. And then all of a sudden we had a gigantic portfolio. I mean, you know, not, hundreds of properties, but 30 plus properties on our books. We were still acquiring more at that time. And we kind of had to rethink things and it made us step into the business and work on it <laughs> and learn from it. For someone who's looking to start a business similar to yours, what would you tell them? I had two things. And the two biggest lessons were the partnership part. So obviously interviewing and finding the right partner or if, if, if you're taking on a partner, that is. And some smaller real estate investors don't usually need take on partners. But if you do need a partner because they have access to deals or money or experience or they'll put up sweat equity, whatever the case is, the interview process of that is important. And the second thing, and we see this all the time, real estate investors that come to us for loans and they have three properties. They just buy their first three properties and they don't see the first property through all the way. And I believe that if you're buying your first property, buy your first property and follow the whole thing through until you exit it. And that exit could be, it turns into a rental property and you have long-term debt on it, or you sell it or you wholesale it, whatever the case is, exit that first one before you start buying the next one. And you really need to understand the flow of things and create a system. And, you know, another big thing is, what happens in theory and then what happens in reality. And in theory, it's like, okay, cool. I'll buy one. I got $30,000 and I'm going to flip this for this one's underway. I'm going to buy the next one. Then I have another $30,000. I'm going to make off this next one. And in reality, that doesn't typically happen. Obviously you, you want to rinse and repeat and continue to buy and buy and buy, but you know, buy your first one, then buy your second one, get some systems in place, get some people in place and make it work. Because if not that real estate, which is an asset will turn into a liability real quick. If it starts going downhill. Mm. When you're interviewing and finding the right partner, what type of questions do you ask now that you've got this experience? <laughs> well, I've always had a longstanding partner who's been my business partner on my lending side. And we were lucky that it was just a good fit from the beginning. And we've been partners for 
10 or 15 years. And <laughs> since this instant, I've been a little scarred on taking on additional partners for kind of side ventures. But I will say that I feel that there's a few things I know right away. If they're a good fit or they're not a, not a good fit. And obviously there's questions related to, you know, what's your goals of this? Where do you see yourself in the next five years in this particular business? Or even if it's this particular deal, what do you believe are your roles and what do you believe would be my roles? Just so it's very defined of, Hey, I'm just a money partner. I don't have a say in anything. I'm just a passive investor or I'm going to be an active investor and, you know, I'm going to have a say of everything. So it's really understanding what their goals are and what they believe they're contributing to the transaction every day or, you know, on a one-off basis and what your personal goals would be as well to make sure they're aligned with that. I love that. I know firsthand and from the interviews I've done and people I respect not only in real estate but in other industries who are very successful that the number one reason why partnerships go sour is because the roles were not clear at the beginning. If you clearly define the roles, what you're responsible for, what I'm responsible for, then you're setting your partnership up for success because you're both going in with eyes wide open. Yeah. And not just set it up on paper. Well, the LLC says this. I mean, that only goes so far. <laughs> it's got to be, yeah. you know, your partners or your family members almost. I mean, they it, it's yeah. a real relationship. And, <laughs> and you know, it, it, and it doesn't matter if they're just a private investor giving you money to fund a deal or if you guys are on the job site every day working together. It doesn't matter what it is. There, there's got to be a trust factor and it's got to be the right person. And I know real estate's the type of industry that's very open and eager to just, hey, let's partner together. You have good credit. I need good credit partner for this deal or I need cash. You have some cash. And that's all fine and dandy. And I, I believe you should be partnering with somebody who brings something to the table that you don't. And obviously, a you know, you always have to look back and you look at a partner and say, hey, as a partner, does this guy bring more to the table than I do? Obviously, that's a good definition of a good partner if you believe they're bringing more to the table than you can. But you got to do due diligence and you really got to have a good bond with them. And, you know, maybe they do bring the right stuff to the table, but you just can't get along with them or they're just not a good fit. You know, for instance, we like to cuss in the workplace and, you know, we're very open and we're very free. When someone comes in and we just can't get along with them just because, I don't know, maybe maybe different age bracket, maybe just whatever it is, maybe that's just not a right, the right partner for us because uh, you got to be yourself on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Anything else as it relates to this conversation about setting your business up for success and partnerships that you want to mention to the best of our listeners? I think we kind of dove into the partnership side. And I think that's really important. And I, I think everybody out there at one point will have some sort of partner that they're involved in, if it's just a deal basis or it's a large company basis. So if you're unhappy with your partner right now, obviously you got to be transparent and got to be a good communicator, but you know, it could be a good time to reevaluate things. Well, what's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? As always, you can reach me at hardmoneybankers.com or 800-883-8290. 
Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being on the show, Jason, and, and sharing your experience and your stories with best ever listeners. And I just love talking to people who are entrepreneurs in real estate, making it happen and hearing their stories, both good and bad. There's many things we can take away from these stories. A couple of them are how to evolve your business. I mean, whether it's hard money lending or you're starting a property management company, you went through the 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0 process. And that's how you approach any type of real estate business. First, you've got no systems, perhaps the wrong partner, but you get in there and take action. Then the 2.0, you have some software in place. Maybe you have an employee. And then the 3.0, you're focused on quality deals, not as much as volume. Or if you are high volume, then you have a system and a process in place so that you can begin to scale that to the 4.0. So again, thank you for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thank you, Joe. Go check out Mass Venture, which is Texas's first approved equity crowdfunding platform, which means that all Texas residents can now invest in local real estate projects. All Texas residents can now invest in real estate projects. That's that's a big distinction. Usually it's just accredited investors. Nathan wrote, she's been a guest on the, the show, episode 225. Go listen to that if you want to learn more about his business as well as here's best ever advice and go to Mass Venture, M-A-S-S-V-E-N-T-U-R-E to check out their company.